Bibles or your devices, you can open up to Luke chapter 1, because that's what we'll be here in just a few minutes. Um, but as you're turning there, I'm kind of interested to find out how many people have actually heard of something called the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Some of you are like, yep, you know that. Some of you are like, nope, never heard of it. Some of you are intrigued. Some of you heard the word bacon, and you're like, hey, I want to find out about this. Okay, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's based off of this principle called the six degrees of separation. And this thought process is you could take any two people in the world and by six connections, social connections, you'd be able to connect them. So me and someone else, even in another country, here we are. I have friend A who has friend B who has friend C. And by F, you will be able to connect the two of us. That's what this thought is of the six degrees of separation. Well, in 1994, there were these college students who apparently had way too much time on their hands, and they were sitting at home, and they watched a Kevin Bacon movie that he starred in, followed by a whole nother movie that Kevin Bacon was in, and while they were still sitting around, a commercial came on for yet another Kevin Bacon movie, and they began to say, man, he is in all these different movies. I bet we could use this six degrees of separation and take any other actor person in Hollywood and connect them through six films, all right? And so people have since then, he doesn't even have to act in it. He might direct it or produce it, but trying to make the connection. So I'm like, well, let me just kind of do this. Now, you can actually Google two people, and it will tell you the degrees of separation, things like that. But I wanted to have some fun. So I said, let's start out with Kevin Bacon and Tom Hanks, which I have to tell you, I was amazed at our staff retreat that we have staff members that don't know very many Tom Hanks movies. And I'm like, man, I'm getting old, I guess. Okay. So anyway, I'm like, Kevin Bacon and uh, Tom Hanks, how many does it take for me to connect them? And I shortly came to the conclusion, oh, they're in the same movie. One. They are in Apollo 13 together. So I'm like, that one wasn't very hard. All right. So let me get a little trendier. Let me use Zendaya. All right. So I'm going to use Zendaya, try to connect her to uh, Kevin Bacon. And so Zendaya, she is in um, The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman, who was in a movie called X-Men First Class with Kevin Bacon. So it was like two connections. So that didn't take very long. So then again, I'm like, all right, let's use someone quite a bit older. I'm going to use Dick Van Dyke. All right, so here we go. Dick Van Dyke to Ke uh, Kevin Bacon. How many is it going to take me to make this connection? So as I looked up, I saw that Dick Van Dyke is in Night at the Museum with Ben Stiller, who is in Dodgeball with Vince Vaughn, who is in The Breakup with Jennifer Aniston, who is in a movie called Pitch per or Picture Perfect with Kevin Bacon. So there were four connections to be able to connect up those two. And I could have done it sooner, but there are certain movies I am not mentioning from stage. So there are just these connections, all right, as far as being able to make the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Now, it was interesting in studying all about this that when Kevin kind of learned about some of this, he thought they were making fun of him, and he wasn't really excited about this, but later realized that wasn't the case. And so now there's actually a charitable organization that has been set up called the Six Degrees of of Kevin Bacon, Bacon trying to help with uh, resources, like connect people with those kind of things. And then if you're really excited about this kind of thing that we did, you can buy the board game, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, and so you can play that. Or if you're like, nah, I'm more of a technology person, they have a Six Degrees of Hollywood app. You probably can't use the technical term. So Six Degrees of Hollywood, use two different uh, people and connect them that way. So you might be going like, why are we talking about this, starting things out? And the reason is just because of connection. 
Like sometimes we think about this world and how big it is. Like sometimes you can get on an airplane and it takes so long to fly somewhere, but you're like, man, just how big this world is. And yet then you come in contact with someone and you're like, wait, you know this person? Like it really is a small world after all or something like that. But anyway, we just talk about this idea of connection. And so two weeks ago, we spent the entire time looking at Zechariah and this angel coming and speaking to him and saying, here's the message for you that you're going to have a son. Elizabeth in her old age will have this son. And so we watched this happening over here. And then last week, we looked at that same angel, Gabriel, coming and speaking to Mary, saying, here is the message for you that you will have a son and he will be the son of God. And so she's just coming off of that. And today is where these two strands come together. And again, some of you may go, well, that's not very hard. They're related somehow. Well, still, when people didn't live together, like in the same city back then, they didn't travel as often. So there wasn't quite as much connection as we are able to have today. And yet we're going to see these two paths connect up within our text this morning. And so in Luke chapter 1, we're going to read verses 39 to 41 and just kind of see what's going on here. All right. So this is what Luke records for us. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, so it doesn't tell us the exact town that Zechariah and Elizabeth live in, but it does say in a town in the hill country of Judea, more than likely, this is about 50 to 70 miles away. And so back then, that would take three to four days to travel. And so it tells us that this happens pretty quickly. I imagine she hears this message and gathers up the things that are of necessity, and I'm going to take off to go visit Elizabeth. Now, the question is, you know, maybe your mind wanders, did she tell her parents? Like, and if she did, how did they respond? Like, how would you respond if one of your kids come up and said, hey, I got this message from an angel, and they told me I'm going to have the son of God. You're like, great. Or you're like, I don't know. Like, I have no idea if any of that happened or if she's still pretty silent about it. When I was younger, I used to think she told Joseph pretty quickly, but as I've gotten older, I don't think so. Like, I don't think he finds out till quite a bit later. I think she's still processing this message, and that's actually even part of the reason why she chooses to go to visit Elizabeth. In fact, this is a logical choice for her to be able to make this trip and go there. Like, think about it. Here she is now, she's pregnant, and she meets them within that first week, but just this idea of being the first trimester of maybe some seclusion that needed to happen. So everyone around town is not seeing some morning sickness and kind of going, hey, what's going on here, and trying to put some pieces together. I think about now being going over here to visit Elizabeth, and again, thinking through this message, is God really going to do this? And now she visits Elizabeth, who is a visual reminder of what God has said, and then he's fulfilled his promise. But here she is. She is six months pregnant, and I am seeing it with my own eyes. And imagine that encouragement that that would be for Mary. And even think about this. If Mary's looking for anyone to believe her message, Elizabeth, Elizabeth would be one. Like, she can attest to what God has done. And so you've heard this message from this angel, and I completely agree with you, and let's encourage one another. And even being this last trimester of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Mary is now there to be able to help cook and clean and do some of those kind of things. And so I really think that God kind of set this up, and this is a logical place for her to be able to go during this time. And so she sees Elizabeth at the house, and she greets her. And it says that the baby leaped within her womb. 
That word can also be translated skipped. It is often tied in with this leap of joy. And so here we see, you know, this greeting, this leap of joy. And then at the end of verse 41, this simple little phrase that says, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that had ever jumped out to me before, but just as I studied this and thought through this, like how important that little tidbit of information is. I mean, do you think John just jumps on his own? Or is it the Holy Spirit that then comes inside of him, hearing the greeting and causes him to jump? And then not just that, but the Holy Spirit being inside of Elizabeth allows her to say the words that she's about to say. So let's jump back into the text and read verses 42 through 45. It says this, In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. There's no way Elizabeth knows any of that without the Holy Spirit coming in and guiding her. And so she speaks to Mary and calls her blessed. In fact, in the Hebrew, basically it talks about this idea that you are most blessed among women. And then do you hear the question, just why am I so favored? The mother of my Lord would come to me. Like the humility that she asks, you know, she, she feels. And, and just thinking about this, like, God, why are you allowing me to have a part in all of this? Like me, like the mother of my Lord is right here. My own baby leaps inside of me and he is going to prepare the way. Like how thankful I am to get to just be a part of this. And so that's what she speaks to Mary here in this moment. And after that, she blesses her saying, you are blessed because you believe that God is going to do what he has said. Like you've already taken that first step and you are going to see him fulfill the words that he has said to you. And after this, I don't know if it's at this moment she writes this. I don't know if this was part of her journey, you know, maybe during her time while she's there. But Mary then writes kind of this response that we have written there in verses 46 through 55. And Nick even mentioned that this last week in our Expecting Christmas video. And so just thinking about this, she is thinking about everything that she's seen and heard and she praises God. She praises him for the ways that he has worked in the past. She praises him for the things that he is doing right now in her life. And then she, she praises him for the things that are going to come true here in the future. It's nothing but praise to God. And then we have this one little verse at the end of the section, verse 56. And it says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. Now, more than likely, if you do the math, it means that she probably stayed until John the Baptist was born. Like, we don't have concrete evidence of that. She could have left before that because she, her name is not written in the next section when John the Baptist is actually born. But I think it makes more sense for Luke to tie it up right here. That, you know what? Mary was here for about three months, and now her time was to go back home. And so that's what we've just been studying, that I think God had his hand in all this purposely trying to encourage one another in the steps of their faith, in the steps of uncertainty. How can we keep faith and be able to encourage one another as we're obeying what God wants us to do? And so that's kind of the history of everything, but I want to look at that question again that Elizabeth asks, this idea of why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord would come to me? 
Now, last week we looked at that question, you know, of how uh, can this be since I'm a virgin? And we said that whole question isn't necessarily applicable to us, but that first part. And I would say the same thing is true today because I would imagine that Mary hasn't visited any of you, okay? It's not, man, how can I be so favored that the mother of my Lord would come and visit me? But again, that first part of the question, why am I so favored? That is a question that sometimes we ask. Maybe not in those exact words, but this idea of why me? Why am I blessed? Those are things that we do ask. And I want to look at it in three different ways because we ask it in each of these different uh, emphases. So here's the first thing I would say. This idea of why am I so blessed? Like when I just look at my life, like I see the amount of things in my life and I just ask God, God, why am I so blessed? All of these good things happening. And so maybe it's you take a step back and there's individual things that you look at. And so maybe it's your kids. And you, get, you just look at your kids and I'm like, what a blessing it is to be their mom or to be their dad. And you watch the things that they do. Yes, maybe it's accomplishments, but maybe so much more than that, it's the character that they have and the way that they love other people and they interact or that they are choosing to love God. And you just step back and go, man, apparently I did a few things right, but I give it all to God. And what a blessing it is to be their mom or their dad. Or maybe it's your spouse. And you look at your spouse and you're like, man, I am so blessed to be married to them. You're like, I definitely married up. And some of you are looking at each other going, man, I married up. Some of you are like, yes, you did. Okay, I don't know. But (laughs) here's this idea. Sometimes we look at it and like, what a blessing it is to be able to be with you. Or even you take a step back and you look at this idea of marriage and you're like, we had to work hard to get here. Like it doesn't just happen by accident, but you step back and you're like, I am so thankful. I am so blessed to be within this marriage. Or maybe as we're talking relationships, it's not actually family, but you start talking about your friendships that you have. And for some of you, like you just start making a list and you have a huge number of close friends that you could call out to and you are just blessed to be able to have them. Some of you are like, yep, that doesn't appeal to me, but man, my small group of friends that I have, that they would go to battle with me. Like if something's going on at two in the morning, I am calling them and how blessed I am to be able to have these people to walk through the highs and walk through the lows with. Like, why am I so blessed? And maybe it's not things with your friends, but this area of your job. Like sometimes you step back and you're like, they pay me to do this. Like I absolutely love being able to do what I do. Or you like have gone farther up than you ever dreamed, you know, in whatever role it is. And you're just like, what a blessing it is to be able to do what I do. Or maybe it has something to do with like the stuff that you have, like actual material things. You're like, man, I really like my car. I love the house that we live in. I love my chair, okay? Like it is a great spot. And again, that can sound really silly, but sometimes we just step back and go, there are so many blessings in life that God has given to me. How amazing it is. And why do I get to be so blessed in that? Or maybe it's the talents. Like, God, why did you allow me to be able to sing or be able to play a sport or be able to fix things with my hands? Like, I absolutely love it. Thank you for that. Or maybe it's something like the church. God, I am so thankful to be part of the church that I am. 
like to be with a small group of people that really are there with me. Or maybe as I come uh, into worship services and we are opening up God's word and just being built on that. Or when it's time to sing, like I am singing and I don't care if I hit a wrong note because it's not about perfection. It's all about lifting God's name high. You're like, what a place to be able to worship and to do life together. And you're like, God, why am I so blessed? Or maybe it's just stepping back and kind of seeing all those pieces come together. Like, God, thank you so much for all of this. Like, why is it that this gets to happen to me? And if those are moments that you have, first of all, that's excellent. Like, excellent that you get to step back and see the blessings in your life. And let me remind you that God is the giver of all good gifts. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it tells us every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Or even back in Psalm chapter 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. And so if you're in those moments of just sitting back going, man, God, I am so blessed. Why? Like, can I encourage you? First of all, you don't have to feel guilty for that. Like sometimes we'll compare ourselves to someone else and, oh, maybe I need to kind of push this down or whatever. No, it's okay to understand the blessings that God has given to you. And in doing so, may you live a life of thankfulness. God, let me realize that even if there are aspects that I worked hard for this, like you are the one that still did this for me, with me. You have given me a gift. And so let me respond with thankfulness and let me respond with humility. Let me respond with humility, not going around touting this, hey, look at everything so that it points to me, but it all points back to you. So in those moments when it's like, man, why am I so favored? Live in thanks because of what God has given to you. But then let me ask this question a little bit differently. The question could be asked this way, like, why is this happening to me? Like, why is this good thing happening to me? Because, man, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And maybe in those moments, you're like, I have messed up so many times. I am far from perfect, and I don't deserve the good that is going on in my life right now. And maybe even thinking about that, like you might get more specific going, I think about this bad choice that I made, or even a series of bad choices that I made that I still sometimes feel consequences for. And yet then, like, I see that right now in my life, like there are blessings that are coming. Or sometimes those choices that you made have affected your spouse or your kids, and you're like, God, like I hurt some people, and yet still in this moment, there are blessings. Like, I do not feel worthy. Maybe there was something at your job that you tried and you failed, or something at school that you tried and you failed, or you went out for some kind of sports team and you failed, and you're like, ah, and yet then you look at where you are right now. Like, God, why is this happening? Like, I don't deserve this. Maybe it has nothing to do with those things. It simply deals with how you've dealt with money. Like, you've looked back, and you're like, at the end of every month, it seems like I don't have what I need. And I know that there are choices that I make, and in the moment, it seems like I need it, but then I don't. And you're just like, but at this moment in life, like, I've looked back and even had some bad choices, but right now, like, God, you're blessing me with this. Why is that? Maybe it's this idea of church involvement, Like, God, like, for so many years, like, I had my back turned 
towards you, and I ran as far as I could. Or maybe it's not even that. It's just, you know what? There were periods of time that I kind of stepped away and was doing my own thing, and yet somehow God kept bringing me back. And like right now in my life, like God continues to bless. Like, man, I don't deserve this. God, why do you favor me in this way? Or maybe in some relationship you broke trust. Or you stabbed someone in the back and you hurt a friendship. And whatever it is, like you're just standing there right now and you're like, God has given me a second chance. Or sometimes it's not even just God, it's some other person has given me the second chance. And as I sit here, like I'm just like, I do not deserve this, but God, why did you give it to me? If that question's going through your mind, could I actually start out by telling you that it's true that you don't deserve it? Actually, none of us do. That is the entire gospel message that God created everything perfectly, but we chose a different route. And not by accident, we said, I am not doing this, I'd rather do things my way, and God did not wait for us to earn it, to do enough good things to say, okay, now you can come back in. Instead, he sent Jesus for us because he loves us. It wasn't based on value that we have earned, it's because he loved us. And I think about even in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount, and he says these words, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law, and the prophets. He says, you know what? You, even as earthly parents, to your kids, you love them. Even in moments when they don't deserve it, like you may be frustrated, but you still love them and care for them and want what's best for them. And so if you, you who are imperfect, know how to love your kids that way, imagine what our heavenly father who is perfect is. He's not waiting for you to deserve it. He says, let me offer this gift to you because I want to. That's how much he cares for us. And so if you're in one of those moments, again, that God, like, why am I so favored? Like, why are these good things happening to me? I don't deserve it. Like, could I tell you just to be thankful? <laughs> to be thankful that he is a father who continues to give gifts, who continues to want you to be part of his family. And in that, may we continue to live in humility as well. But don't just hold it to yourself. Use it for other people. Let me tell you about the gift that God has given to me. Do it with words, do it with actions, and let them feel, man, the gift that he wants them to offer as well. And so sometimes it's like, God, why am I so favored? Sometimes it's, why am I so favored? I feel unworthy. And then sometimes we ask the question more like this, why me? Jesus, how can you love me? I feel worthless. Man, those two words are actually close, close to the idea of I don't feel worthy or I feel worthless, but do you feel the difference in tone that we have a completely different question here that sometimes we just feel like we have no value and sometimes it's because of things in our own head. Like something didn't go the way we, we thought and maybe a lie has started in there and we begin to just think about it over and over and it begins to have power on us and we begin to believe that 
we are worthless. Or sometimes the reason that it's there is because there's some accomplishment that we really wanted and it didn't happen. And we give that place in our lives more value than others. And so we feel like we just missed it. Man, I have no purpose right now. Or maybe it's what someone else said or a group of someone else's have said to you and you begin to believe it. Or maybe it's just that you wish there were things that were different, like maybe it's your looks or your job or the way that money has been handled or relationships or even your spiritual life. And there's these things that you're just like, I have not handled them well and you feel like you have no purpose. And maybe you've said or maybe you've just thought this idea of, I think the world would be better without me. Like you've hit that spot. Do I really even matter? And can I tell you, if that pops into your mind once, or it's something that continually pops into your mind every now and then, or it's something that you struggle with all the time, let me tell you this. Do not believe those lies. And I know that's easier to say right now than to firmly grasp and live by all the time, but do not live by those lies because that is not what assigns us value. Jesus is. In fact, I remember we took middle schoolers uh, to a Believe conference. And so I've told you this once, but it's been a while. But I remember the speaker was up on stage and he brought out this little griddle. He had two pieces of bread and a slice of cheese. And he made a grilled cheese sandwich for us right there, you know, in front of everybody. And he said, all right, I have this grilled cheese sandwich. and I am going to sell it to one of you. He said, who would like to buy this grilled cheese sandwich for $5? And boom, all these middle schoolers raised their hand. I mean, grilled cheese sandwich. Okay. But anyway, you know, the guy on stage is making this. So they raised their hand. He's like, okay, what if I bump the price up to 10? Who still wants it? And some hands go down, but there's still a lot, you know, maybe standing on the chair. Ooh, pick me, pick me. All right. Who's going up to $20? Yes. Who's going up to $40? Yes. And some of you are like, now I know where that money is spent when I send it with my kids on trips. Okay. But anyway, like they've got their hands up and finally one kid's like, yes, I've got $60. I will pay you that for this grilled cheese sandwich. And so he goes up on stage and the person says, you know what? This grilled cheese sandwich, it cost me under a dollar. Like for these kind of things, you know, for the bread and for the cheese, the supplies themselves cost under a dollar. But how much value does this sandwich have? Well, right now it's worth $60 because that's what someone is willing to pay for it. And maybe there's moments that you kind of struggle going, I feel like I'm only worth a few cents, maybe a few dollars. But may you be reminded what someone paid for you. Jesus gave his life. That's how valuable you are. And so in those moments when you're like, God, like, how am I so favored? Like, why me? That's the answer. Because Jesus is the one who assigns value. And if you struggle with some of those other things, might I encourage you, when those are starting to get into your head, may you tell them, you have no place to assign my value because God has told me how valuable I am. And he's the one that has the authority to do so. And he looks at each one of us and he says, you are my son. You are my daughter. And I want to be in a relationship with you forever. This question, 
why am I so favored? Like sometimes it is those moments of just wow. And I could just encourage you to be thankful. And sometimes we ask that question in those moments of I don't feel worthy. And again, just be thankful for what God has given to you. But in those moments when maybe those lies come in yet again, may you be able to have faith amongst the uncertainty. May you be able to hold so tightly to his voice and the truth that he has spoken that not just that you are valued, but you are favored. You are favored. You are favored. Before we jumped into the sermon, we were singing this song about the name shall be wonderful counselor. This name of Jesus is so powerful. and We're gonna continue to sing to him because it's all about him is where we find our value. And today, if you're like, I have never accepted him, like I like this idea of being part of his family, his son or daughter. I don't wanna just feel, man, downgraded by so many other things. I want him. If today is the day that you want salvation, that you want freed, could I encourage you during this song to make your way to the prayer room? We'd love to talk with you. For the rest of us, may we continue to live this life of humility, this life of thankfulness, because God has given you his favor. Let's stand and sing to him.